Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Again, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, had a great 8 a.m. And yeah, I'm not going to tell you a number because then you're going to think you're not needed. So if you'd like to try out a new service, it uh, still has plenty of room. So thank you for considering that. But it's just been, it's been a great morning already. Let's, I know you're comfortable. Let's stand. We're going to read scripture today. How many think reading scripture is a good thing? It is. There's no point coming if we don't do it. And so thank you for joining us online as well. We're glad that you're with us. We're going to read the words of Jesus, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some heresy, and then we're going to get into what Jesus said, and then we're just going to practice what he said. And uh, it starts with Matthew 5 and verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord, we're grateful for your perfection today, your perfect love, your perfect grace, your perfect word that speaks to our hearts. Let it go deep within our souls, our hearts today, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I mentioned, and I won't get back into it today, but the importance of understanding some of the heresies from the first through 17th, 18th century, so we can kind of understand what's going on today. And I, I pray that what we're going to talk about this, this first portion will, uh, will help you value the words of Jesus just a little bit more. I want to talk just real quickly, if you have notes or you have notes on your phones or whatever, I want to talk about Arianism. Yay! Arianism. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Arius, uh, uh, a uh, church leader from Alexandria, which is in Egypt, in the fourth century, the 300s, he had some interesting ideas about Jesus that began to influence a lot of people. See, that's what a heresy will do. It won't just influence you, it'll influence people around you. So it matters what we think about doctrine, what we think about Jesus. And real quickly, three things. He believed that Jesus, what we would call be semi-divine or a demigod, that he wasn't God like God the Father was, and he was exalted above all creatures, but was a created being and not eternal nor co-equal with God the Father. Number two, he believed that Jesus was the first and greatest creation of God, but possessed what we might call a different essence or substance than God the Father. And thirdly, he believed that in, in a strict monotheism, one God of God the Father Excuse me, and maintained a, a clear distinction between God's nature and the nature of Jesus. God's nature being uncreated, Jesus, his nature, his being, being created. And so in, in about 325 AD that we covered about a year ago, there was this call, a council of Nicaea was called. It was called that because it was in the town of Nicaea. And over 300 bishops and church leaders and theologians and presbyters, everybody came together 
uh, to discuss many things. For instance, they established what day we would all celebrate Easter on. Aren't you glad they did that? Well, they did little things like that, which day we, the, the church as a whole would celebrate Easter, but mainly they came to refute Arianism, to, to, to say no to these things. And out of that came the Nicene Creed, which is a lot longer than we're going to read today, but there was one portion that I think matters to us today. And it, it, it's these words, I believe in one, in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten, that means of, not born from, but out of, son of God, born of the Father, before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him, all things were made. The Nicene Creed did four things. Number one, it affirmed the deity or the divinity of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it affirmed that Jesus was not a created being like you and I or like animals. He was not created. Thirdly, it affirmed the, the co-eternality, the eternalness of Jesus and co-equality with God the Father. And then fourthly, it affirmed the orthodoxy or right belief of the Trinity, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit that share the same substance, co-substantial. And, and you, now you may be asking, Ray, why are you starting off with this? Well, I think it's important. Number one, I think we need to understand some of the mistakes they made in the past so we can appreciate the orthodox right views of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. He is fully God who became fully human and came to earth. Why is that important? Well, it's this, because he died for you and me. And it matters who died for us. Can we all agree? It matters. Another person, well, that's great. But if it's God willing to die on our behalf, that's a big deal today. And if Arianism would have caught on, like it has in certain cults today, still, still maintaining these things, it would affect how we view Jesus Christ. Jesus came to die so that we might live. Now, what's the point of that on our teaching today as we look at the Sermon on the Mount? Well, here it is. The words of Jesus matter because of who he is. The words of Jesus matter because of who he is. He's more than simply a good teacher. He is God. And if God's going to speak, how many think we ought to listen? The Bible tells us he's co-eternal. He is, he is uh, co-equal with the Father and Spirit. He is, the Bible would tell us, the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the returning king. And according to Matthew 28 and 18, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So my point is, we, all, we said all of that to say this, the words of Jesus matter to us today. Can we agree? The words of Jesus matter today. The words of Jesus carry what I would call gravitas. They carry depth and meaning and, and weight to them. His words are supreme. There are no other words that matter more than the words of Jesus. They carry power because they are indeed his words this morning. Now, it doesn't make them any less difficult to follow, especially this passage. It's okay to be honest. I mean, there are, day, there are times I feel like the rich young ruler who came in Matthew 19. I know he was rich because it tells us. I know he was young because the text tells us. I assume he's a ruler because he had wealth. But when I grew up in Sunday school, he was the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how can I re receive and, and solidify my eternal life? And Jesus said, coming out of the, from the Old Testament, follow the commandments. And Jesus began to lift, list off the commandments. And finally, the young man spoke up. And this is where I started laughing this last week. He said, which ones? Is that not so us? Hey, Jesus. What are we talking here? If I follow one, three, and seven, can I ignore 10, two, and three? It is so us today. 
And that's not what Jesus was saying at all. It seems we, we desire, as this young man, was to pick and choose our avenues of righteousness. We get to pick and choose sometimes, or at least we think, that we can choose which way God wants us to go. And what God is saying, that word we talked about a couple weeks, weeks ago, dikai osune, the righteousness of God that flows out of our relationship with Jesus Christ, says that there is a way to live. A, li- a way that we walk in the obedience, we walk in the, the righteousness that's found in our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ today. And so today we're going to talk about a commandment that Jesus ironically said to him too, and probably hit him the same way. And, and while they're all important, all the commandments, the ten, all of the words of Jesus, I think what Jesus has to say today can impact our world like no other. Mary mentioned this whole tech, gospel tech, which is going to help us how to deal with our children, how to deal with this technology that has so overwhelmed us. I mean, if I asked how many had phones, every, every person would lift their hand in this room today. How many get on Wi-Fi, everyone would lift their hand. I mean, this whole thing of, of how to live with all of this. The teachings of Jesus help us not only in how to deal with technology, but how to live with one another. The words of Jesus... Uh, Man, what what he's going to say to us today, I think, can change our community. It can change our world if we'll but listen. So Jesus, in verse 43, is going to start off with something that's not necessarily true. Uh, And and I don't mean it's not true from his point of view, but it's not true in the words that he's going to say from someone else. Here's what he said. Verse 43. He said, you've heard it, heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, immediately, some of us think, well, yeah, love, love your neighbor and hate those that aren't like you, that, that are your enemies. Well, absolutely. Well, what Jesus is doing is he's repeating an erroneous contemporary and traditional saying that come from the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day that were advanced by them. And what they're saying is, hey, listen, you can love people like you, but if they are your enemy, if they're not like you, you don't have to love them. That's what, he, what they're saying. They're saying, go ahead and hate your enemies. And most of us might say, well, yeah, that works. Well, that might work for us, but it won't work for Jesus. And, and that's where we come to the, where the rubber meets the road. As with most things, there's a grain of truth. I mean, the Pharisees, Jesus, they're, they're all quoting, they're quoting a part of Leviticus 19 and 18, where it would say this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that's where, that's the original. That's what Jesus is thinking of. That's what the Pharisees were kind of sort of quoting. The problem is that they were teaching something where there was a problem with omission and one of addition. They omitted, love your neighbor as what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the addition or or the omission. And then they said these words and hate your enemy, enemies, which isn't in there at all. Now, what Jesus has to say about the Pharisees throughout the gospels, we know this, the Pharisees were self-serving. Everything was about them, their status, their, their, their uh, standing in the community. Everything was about them. And it was for them and people like them. And them saying, love those like you, love the attractive, similar interests, love when it suits you, was so that they and their followers could do just that. And then hate those that are not like you. Now this is why Jesus over and over and over spoke so strongly against the Pharisees and against their pride and hypocrisy. Then Jesus, in verse 44, and we get to the crux of the teaching this morning, said these words. He said, but I tell you. Now, did we already establish who Jesus was? The answer is yes. Now he says these words. But I tell you, as the Son of God, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The love of God commands his people because it is so radically different than any love that can possibly be described in our world. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you is so great. This love is so great that it embraces even our enemies. That ought to be a aha moment for many of us. The love of God is so great, it doesn't just embrace me, my children, my grandchildren, my wife and family. It it includes my neighbors. And yes, the love of God is so powerful and rich and overwhelmingly different from this world. It includes all the way and reaches out to my enemies today. Jesus will say, you've heard it said by religious leaders, it's okay to love those like you and to hate your enemies. But I say, love's different. Love, the love of God is so overwhelmingly powerful that it includes our enemies. Now, friends, my, my flesh, isn't, my, my flesh my, the, self, the, the natural part of me isn't all that crazy about this either. Believe me, I've looked for loopholes. I mean, I've played the game. I know you haven't, but I have. Did Jesus really mean? And I look for ways around that, and to be honest with you, there aren't any because Jesus will quote this, will say it over and over throughout the Gospels and even into Romans and Galatians. Other writers will pick it up. Uh, it, it's no wonder the Pharisees wanted to kill him. Really, it's, it's no wonder. It's no wonder today that we try to find loopholes. It's no wonder that we try to water down what Jesus had to say. It's no wonder that we sometimes just flat ignore the words of Jesus. And I'm just as guilty as you are today of ignoring his words. See, here's the thing. And I think what we want to establish here as we start this new year, Jesus has established a new standard of truth. It's no longer down here. Now it's up here. Because it's based on the Son of God speaking into our hearts and into our lives today. Pharisees said, you could love based on preferences and hate your enemies. But I, Jesus said, these said to you that your love must be greater than the love and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Not only does he set the bar higher as the standard of truth, literally, he becomes the standard of truth. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 through 10. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since we, have not been, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, here's the thing. Here's the bar. Standard, not standard of truth, the truth. We were enemies of God. Jesus died on our behalf. Therefore, we were reconciled to God by his blood, I mean, if you want to talk the talk and walk the walk, then Jesus is the gold standard today. Because he was willing to die for his enemies, die on our behalf. Now, here's another bit you just need to know. The, the New Testament was written in, the, in Greek language. The Septuagint is, is the Hebrew turned, uh, rewritten into Greek. But originally, the letters that were sent, the Gospels, were written in Greek. And it was appropriate. It wasn't classical Greek. It's what we call Koine Greek. It was, it was everyday vernacular. It was the everyday language of the people, the common language. During Hellenistic, which is another word for Greek or Roman era, it was used by much of the Eastern Mediterranean world. It was accessible, widely spoken, and understandable to a broad audience. And I think that's why God, in his sovereignty, had it written that way. In ancient Greek, there are four words. And that's the reason I told you that, because I wanted to get here. In ancient Greek, there are four words that all represent love. You can use one of four different words that represent love today. You can use the word eros. 
Eros is desiring, it's desire, romantic sexual love, used between two people who are in love. It, it, is a, it is a lover's word for love. Secondly is the word storge, which is used between family members. It's what, how a, a parent would express love to a child, or a child would express love to a parent. It is birthed and lived out in the family experience, the word storge, which means love. And then thirdly is the word philea, which is, is the word that represents affectionate brotherhood kind of love. It's what maybe I would use with, with Pastor Taylor and Daniel, or they would use with me. When I, when I hang up the phone with some guys that I talk to on the phone, I'll say, I love you. Well, that's philea. It's that brotherly affection. It's characterized by loyalty, by mutual respect and shared values. That's philea. But then there is a word that is used mainly in the New Testament, and it is the word agape. Agape means love. And it's a love which Jesus speaks here, used, spoken in most of the New Testament. It's the highest form of love in Greek philosophy and in Christian theology. It's the love that's most talked about. And, and it means some things today, and, and you need to get this one because this is the important one. It's a love that is selfless, unconditional. It is a sacrificial love. Agape is not dependent on the qualities, and catch this, on the qualities of the recipient, but is deliberate, compassionate, and intentional kind of love. Everyone still awake this morning? I mean, you were here at 9.30. You should be awake. That's what it means. Agape seeks and works to meet the highest welfare uh, of another. So what did we just say? Agape is selfless, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's deliberate, it's compassionate, and it is intentional. It steps out of its comfort zone to love people who are not like us. Agape love may involve a more emotion, but it certainly involves action. Agape love isn't something that you just throw around. It's something that you do. It's something you live out. Agape love must involve our attitude because in every form, it, it is a form of righteousness that flows from the inside. And it begins in the heart with our relationship to Jesus Christ. I'll say it this way. There can be no agape love without it, an agape love for Jesus. It's the kind of love that we're to have toward God and each other. And it's the kind of love we're to have, yes, dare I say it, even toward our enemies. No longer is the question of who to love. Now, I know the church is still asking that sometimes. Well, who's in my, who's in my circle? Who do I get to love and who are my enemies? But we, we don't get to do that. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not who I can love, but how can I love? How can I love them? And when I say them, you know who them I'm talking about. Pray, it gets worse. Buckle up. Then he said, can you believe it? Jesus would have the temerity to say this. Pray for those who persecute you. Some of you are saying, oh, oh, wait a minute, that's where I draw the line. I'll, I'll love my enemies, yeah, but if you love them, <laughs> there's a paradox here. If you're going to love them, you're going to what? You're going to pray for them. If the definition, pray for those who persecute you, let that soak in. Friends, if persecution means hostility, if it means ill treatment, then persecution is alive and well today in our world. It can be as, as overwhelming as people, as Christians in, that experience it in North Korea, in China. It can be from people who come against other people in the workplace who are just trying to live out their faith in a humble and, and spiritual way of being light and salt. There can be persecution when in the name of Jesus we do certain things. But it's not just persecution out there. I'm a preacher's kid, so I can tell you a lot of persecution happens between Christians. Is that okay to say? I mean, I don't want to embarrass us today. 
But is it okay to say that, I mean, some of the worst persecution I've ever dealt with has not been from unbelievers. And when I do, I know who they are. I can see them coming a mile away. They're pagans. They're going to be a certain way. I don't mean that mean. That's just who they are. But sometimes the persecution, the ill, the hostility, when we built that little, when COVID came and we built that little drive-through church, we just wanted to have a place where people could drive through and just meditate for a minute and feel good about something. You can't believe the flack I got for doing something like that. Well, you're giving in, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just dumb. Just dumb. Doesn't rise to the level of heresy, but dumb. (laughs) And so... It happens all around us. I talked with a guy before the Saturday night service. He's got a friend at work and he wants to try and just get him to come to church or watch online with him and this guy's resistant and the guy finally said to him, you know why I can't? Because I I used to go to church. I used to buy into all that and I got hurt so badly I can't even think about it anymore. If I would ask you to lift your hands, I guarantee you I'd get 20% of you who'd lift your hand and say you've been hurt by someone in the church. Don't, I mean, first service, I had hands start popping up. I mean, just (laughs) don't do it. You know, Sometimes we're, I mean, who was it? I don't have time for this. Swindoll, who said this. Uh, we're, the, we're the only army that kills its own wounded. Hello? We're the only army that kills its own, own wounded. It can lead in people's lives. People who you just want, they just want to follow Jesus. It can lead to sadness and sorrow and resentment and, and anger. And, and, and we can't minimize that pain. I'm not making light of your pain. I'm saying I'm right there with you. I've been there, done that. And it's by the grace of God I can stand on this platform this morning. Uh, then it seems, you know, Jesus seems to ask the impossible. He says, pray for those. Jesus is, to, how about I take them cookies? But he doesn't say that. See, we're trying to get around it again, aren't we? How about I just give them cookies? It's not a bad idea, don't get me wrong. But in this text, this context, he says, pray for your for those who persecute you, pray for them. Jesus, please ask anything but that. Don't ask me to love my enemies and please don't ask me to pray for those who have hurt me. And yet John Christodom uh, centuries ago said that, pr- that prayer for our enemies is the highest summit of self-control and that we have brought our lives to God's righteousness when we can pray for our persecutors. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, who was persecuted in a concentration camp by Nazis and executed right before uh, the camps were liberated, said, this is the supreme demand. Through the medium of prayer, we go to our enemy, we stand by his side, and we plead for him to God. We plead on our enemy's behalf. I would love to tell you this is easy for me, but it's not. I mean, if there's a hard text in scripture, it's this one. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I, I, you know, and I, I, I was thinking of this text. I walked into an office, saw Brenton, uh, Jesse there, and I said, uh, talking about this verse, I said, I said, here's what I came to. I said, I won't think about them, then I won't have to pray about them. You know what that is? That's Pharisee thinking. I was joking when I said it, but that's Pharisee thinking, isn't it? Looking for ways to get around it, and it's not a heart posture of righteousness that Jesus talks about. Why do we do it? Why does Jesus say, pray for your enemies, and, and, and uh, pray for your persecutors, and love your enemies? He tells us right there in verse 45 that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, it it shows who we are. It shows who we follow. It shows our belief systems, our ethic, our values, our morals when we are able to pray for someone that has hurt us deeply. He said he causes the sun to rise or that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. Just not here so much. And sends rain on the righteous. You you didn't get that? 
on, on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, Jesus, when I read this verse, I mean, to love our enemies and pray for our per- persecutors demonstrates one thing. Number one, it means it says we belong to him. The Bible says, by this they will know you're my followers, my disciples, if you have love for one another. It shows that we are his children and he is our God. By this they shall know. Loving as God loves does not make us his children. That, that's, that's performance. That's legalism. But when we walk with Jesus so closely and we are able to reach beyond ourselves and love our enemies and pray for them. I mean, honestly, when I started reading this text, the boatload of conviction that came over me as the Lord brought up people that I said, you know what? You need to go make this right. You need to go clear the air with them was something. He causes his sun to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. He causes the sun to shine. He sends rain on everyone. And and what that said to me in this context of the scripture, I mean, we could talk about common grace and all that stuff, but what it said to me was this. It said, it's not about merit or deserving. I don't love that person because they deserve it or merit it today. I love them because Jesus said, "Love, love that person. He's saying we must love the same way, not on merit or deserving. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, now the Pharisees would have just flipped over this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even pagans do that. The religious leaders of the day, and maybe even some today, they had a certain understanding of what it meant to be who they were. They believed themselves more spiritual, more deserving, and more righteous today. But their love was self-centered and not others-centered. For Jesus to call them that you're like tax collectors, tax tax collectors were hated. They were hated as traitors to to Judaism. They were hated because they were puppets of of Rome. They, They tended to take more than they should from you and they would keep a portion of it. They were hated. So for Jesus to say the Pharisees and their teaching were like that, was, was, it would have enraged them. And so he said this, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, there's no reward because you're just, even tax collectors. I mean, friend, what he's saying is, friends, even, even pagans and tax collectors love their neighbors. They love their families. There's no, there's no reward in that. Your righteousness isn't better. What Jesus is saying, the application would be something like this. There is a higher standard to which you and I are called as followers of Jesus. Say, what are you saying, Pastor Ray? I'm saying we have to love differently. Yeah, but I don't want to. There are times I don't want to either, but this is the word of the Lord. Blessed be the name and word of the Lord. Application is we are part of the kingdom of God and and we love when everything around us and in us says not to. Then he goes on and he says this, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do this. Friends, actually I got all the time in the world to go off on tangents. He said, if you just greet your own, that hit me today. Well, it hit me this week. He's saying, if you just greet your own, then you're just like them. That's what he's saying, exactly, actually. If, if you just greet your own, then you're just like them. Well, when I read that, in our context of 21st century living, I thought these words, if we just greet our own who believe like we do, then we are no better than those who we are angry with because they believe something different. Nod your heads, because I'm right. I don't mean that arrogant, 
but that just, that feels logical to me. If I act like the people that, by the way, if, if I'm doing the same thing they're doing, like Jesus just said, pagans and tax collectors, I'm no different. And what happens is, what's developed out of just being with people of our own stripe, be it politically, politically would be big in 2024. If I just build echo chambers with people who think like me, you know what happens there? Nothing good. Frustration rises, anger rises, writing silly and foolish and dumb on Facebook rises, TikToks do TikToky stupid. I didn't even know how to finish that sentence. I got caught in my own, uh, and you know, tweets and Twitter and X and all those other things just, just get really bad. Are you tracking with me today? Because we develop tribes and we, we build these echo chambers that go back and forth. You get going, then they get going, then you get going. And dear Lord, it is so stinking embarrassing as a pastor. I'm just telling you. And it should be as a follower of Jesus. But that's what we do. I was talking to the mayor uh, before the first service. He came to the eight. And uh, Ron was, uh, Dean was telling me, he just went to D.C. And he said I could share this story. And, you know, he went back there to go to the big prayer breakfast. And he said he went in and saw two of the senators from Washington State, which are, are liberal and all those things. So your blood pressure is going up just because I mentioned them. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Uh, he said he went in and, and talked to them. And he sat down with them. And, and he said he started this way. He said, listen, I'm the mayor of Puyallup and blah, 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 and I just want to, I want to ask your forgiveness for not engaging with you more. He said both of them, their mouths dropped. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. They couldn't believe it. They just, they, and he said he had a good conversation with them. And, and Dean said to me, he said, you know, Ray, uh, Ray, he said, I've got to learn to engage with people not like me. Well, Dean and I both know that's what Jesus said to do. Engage with people not like us. Pastor Ray, they don't believe like me. Good. Number one, it'll help them. And number two, it'll help you. I mean, how shall they hear? How shall we draw them into the marvelous light of who Jesus is if we ignore them? If we show partiality, and, and that whole text right there is about impartiality. It's about loving people enough to engage with people who are not like us. Yeah, but that, no, stop the yeah buts. Go engage with them. You don't have to agree with them. You, you can agree to disagree, but you can do it lovingly. And, and who knows, but they might even be drawn, call me crazy here because he said be witness. They might even at some point be drawn to Jesus and maybe change how they feel by the power of the Holy Spirit, the blood of the Lamb, for the glory of God, because you, dared to not be an echo chamber and just tribal it out with just your own party, but dared to reach the unchurched, the lost, the dying of this world in the name of Jesus. Because that's what we're called to do. Yeah, but I don't, I know. I know, and I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna pray for me. Because it gets worse. Then he said these words. Perfect is a, first of all, the word perfect, that last was it 46? I'm not even sure. Thank you. Whatever it is. It's going to be perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, 
I'm already lost. I mean, let's be honest. My perfection, that word perfection means complete. It means uh, finished, that, uh, that we are full grown and mature to be perfect. Now, I, here's the bad news. There's not one of us in this room that, that's perfect today in our own selves. Right? Come on, right? Okay. Well, four of you, that's not... That's really bad, actually. That's the bad news. And on my best day, I will never get to perfection. On my best day, I might hit mediocre. I'm never going to hit perfection. Hey, perfect day today, Ray. Didn't yell at anybody. Didn't get steamed over something. It was a perfect day for you. Mahalo. You know? Uh, Even in those days, I'm not perfect. But that's okay. Neither was Billy Graham nor Mother Teresa. All we were are sinners saved by grace. On our best day, that's our claim to fame. We are sinners saved by grace. We were enemies of God and now we've been reconciled to Jesus. To God through Jesus, his death on the cross. Now here's the good news. You are made perfect by the blood of the lamb. You are made perfect by Jesus' finished work on the cross. The righteousness you have is, it's a word called imputed, imputation. It's imputed to you through Jesus. That when I stand before the, before the Father, I am, I am perfect, not in my own cloth, cloths or clothes, jackets of righteousness. I am made righteous, to be cut righteous because of Jesus. And if I live out those commandments that Jesus said to live out, it will not be because, be because I try harder. You put, you put a, a, a thing of chocolate Ben and Jerry's in my house. I will sniff it out. I will eat it. It cannot be based on willpower. Just can't. But what it can be based on is me waking up in the morning and say, Jesus, I can't do it in my own strength. I need your grace to abound. Jesus, there's no way I'm going to love my enemies unless you help me love them. There's no way I can pray for my, those people that have hurt me and or my family. You know, for some of us, you can hurt me, but you hurt my family and it's just really bad. Jesus, I mean, honestly, I, got, I was at my granddaughter's musical over at the PAC Center and right in the middle of that thing, the Lord convicted me of someone I have to call this week. I hate when that happens. I'm saying that facetiously. I kind of like it because that means he's still working on me. And if I'll hear his voice and I'll make that call, it'll be one more step. One more step in me becoming on the outside what he's already done on the inside. Are you tracking with me on that? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is a big deal. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you to do something really hard today. I'm going to ask you to think about that person you consider an enemy. I'm going to ask you to think about that person who's persecuted, who's hurt you in some way. And I don't say this lightly, nor do I take your pain lightly. These things hurt, and they're real, and they're wounds that go deep maybe for some of you. I understand that. 
In fact, maybe the step you take today is just that first step of saying, Lord Jesus, help me to be, help me to be willing to be made willing. Does that make sense? Jesus, I can't do what Pastor is asking me today because uh, I'm not there. Those wounds are deep. They caused a lot of tears. But Jesus, I love you more than my anger or my resentment. So I just want to be willing that as you work in my life this week, that maybe I'll get to that place. Does that work for you? So would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? I honestly didn't need to tell you who that, to think of that person, because honestly, I think they were already there. And in this moment, in this moment, as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, pray this prayer with me in your own words. If you're a, someone who doesn't know Jesus, maybe you ask forgiveness and say, Jesus, I want to follow you today. And when you're done with that, make sure you stop out at the hub and we'll tell you your next steps. Jesus, we come to you and uh, Ray asked me something really hard today. He asked me to love someone that I, in my wildest imaginations, could never love or love again. The hurts run deep, Jesus. To be honest, the most I can get to today is to be willing to be made willing. But help me see that's a great step. For others of us, your spirit's beginning to deal with us about people that we need to to pick up the phone, write a letter, send an email, a nice one, and begin to clear the air so that we can stand and say, I, have, I am learning to love my enemies and I am learning to pray for my persecutors because I have chosen to live as a child of the king. We ask these things in the only power we've got today and that's in you. Apart from you, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In Jesus' name, stand. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.